Our text for today comes from Romans 8, verses 8, 18 through 25. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in, expect, in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to, de- to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have, have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Leave it here. Leave it here. Thanks. All right. All right. Well, I hope everybody is having a good day today. Uh, Like... uh, the one thing about the season of Advent that always uh, is, stands out to me is that though this is a season where waiting is part of what we do, we as American people tend to be fairly, um, we're just not good at waiting. Uh, and I think we get worse and worse at it as the years go by, as technology picks up and as things become more and more uh, things become more and more kind of separate. Things become more and more uh, distinguished from themselves. We find that people just become more and more easily distractible. I read an article this week that said that the average American lifespan in the last 10 years has shortened to just eight seconds, which coincidentally is a full second shorter than a goldfish's attention span. I don't, don't ask me how they measure the attention span of a goldfish, uh, but, but the point's taken, right? Uh, we, in our, uh, in our day and age, are not particularly good at waiting. How many times have you been behind somebody at a stoplight this past week who hasn't been able to wait the, the duration of a stoplight, of a red light, alone with their thoughts, and you had to honk at them in order to remind them that they needed to go because they picked up their phone or something like that? You know, I think people used to be better at waiting than they are in our day, primarily because they had to. In the early days of the American colonies, it took 14 days for a letter to get from New York City to Philadelphia. That's only 109 miles, just in case you were wondering. You could walk 109 miles in less than 14 days if you had really put your mind to it. Could you imagine what would happen if our Amazon packages took 14 days to get to our homes? There would literally be rioting in the streets. No one would be happy at all. There's just something ingrained in our culture that is opposed to waiting, isn't there? We don't want to wait. We want instant gratification. But we know that the desire for uh, immediate gratification, for instant gratification, is actually something that is bad for us. It's not actually good for us. There was a study done in the 1960s by a professor at Stanford University. And this uh, professor did this experiment on four- and five-year-old children. Now, it's not as bad as it sounds. What he did was sit a child down in a room and put a marshmallow in front of them. And what he said to the child was this. He made a deal with them. 
you could eat this marshmallow now, or I'm going to leave the room, and I'm going to come back in like 15 minutes, and if you don't eat that marshmallow, when I get back, you get a second marshmallow, right? It was, it was a two-for-one deal. Uh, but what was, interest, what was most interesting about this study is it wasn't about that child's ability to delay gratification in the moment. It was actually a longitudinal study. And they went on to follow these children for up to 40 years after this study to discover, hopefully, what the ability to de- delay gratification meant for one's personal life. And here's what the study found. The study found that children who were willing to delay gratification and waited to receive the second marshmallow ended up having, in life, higher SAT scores, lower levels of substance abuse, lower likelihood of obesity, better responses to stress, better social skills as reported by their parents, and generally better scores in a range of other measures. Interesting, right? The study would go on to say that from their perspective, the ability to delay gratification was the most accurate predictor of someone's ability to be, be a success in their life, in their personal life. One line from the study stood out to me as being uh, indicative of their findings. They said this, success usually comes down to choosing the pain of discipline over the ease of distraction. It's kind of true, isn't it? So here is a good parenting maxim for the parents in the room this morning. From time to time, ask yourself, how am I helping my child to learn to delay gratification, right? And then you don't have to do anything else, apparently, because they're just going to be a a smashing success. Now, Now, the ability to wait well is not something that just lends to our practical success in this life. It's not something that just means that we're going to be productive or get the right type of job. This is not a message that's just kind of self-help, delay gratification and be an okay person. Actually, I think that learning to wait or learning to wait well is a kind of spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline that's intrinsic to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Have you ever heard a message on this? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, You come across this all over the place in the scriptures, this uh, encouragement to wait. Uh, In a lot of the Psalms, you will read it. For example, in Psalm 37, verse 7, we read this, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Or in Psalm 33, 20, we read this, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And one of the best ones uh, is, uh, that I've found is not even in the Old Testament. It's actually found in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we know over 43 times the people of God are commanded to wait or to wait on the Lord. But in the New Testament, we read things like this uh, in, in the oft, not often read book of Jude. In Jude chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, we read, But you, dear friends, by building up yourselves... Uh, By building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Wait, wait. So Jude's saying here that there is something in waiting that builds up our faith 
as we follow Jesus on this journey through life. But the waiting doesn't stop there in the New Testament. Actually, the Bible ends on a note of waiting. In the second to last verse in the Bible, we hear Jesus say in Revelation 22:20, surely I am coming soon. The, the passage itself says this, the one who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Basically, Jesus is saying right here at the end of the Bible, wait for me, I'm on the way right? This is what Jesus is saying at the end of the Bible. And in the season of Advent, Christians for thousands of years have set aside these four weeks before Christmas to remind ourselves that Jesus has come once before, and surely, surely he is coming again. This is what Christmas is all about. It's a time of special focus on the fact that Jesus is faithful in his coming, And because of who he is and what he has already done in the resurrection, we know that we have a sure and lasting hope that he will return. And this gives us a buoyancy, a joy, a sense of anticipation. And this year, in 2020, with all of the memes associated with this year, right? I think we need this message more than maybe we've ever needed it. Lots of people ask me this year, and I'm sure they ask you as well, what is this year like for you, right? Has anybody asked you that question? And the best way I've been able to describe it is through the use of an analogy. I say, it's kind of like my car is stuck in the mud, and the wheels are spinning, but I'm not going anywhere, right? That's kind of what 2020 feels like to me. And each of us have encountered this year, I think, a level of kind of suspended animation. It's, there's been a kind of waiting game happening that has this ability to kind of ground down our gears if we allow it to. Maybe this year you've been unable to see a loved one that you've wanted to see or a friend. Possibly some aspect of your job or your future has been put on hold because of a pandemic. We are all feeling the waiting in 2020 acutely. I want to go to concerts and football games, right? That that is the cathartic experiences that I want to have for myself. I would love to go see Luca Garza put up 50 on somebody this year, but it's probably not going to happen. But for most of us, uh, we, we have put something on hold. We've had, put, we've, had to, we've had to slow down a little bit. We've had to wait in some way, shape, or form. Do you know what I'm probably most anxious to uh, get going? Church as normal, right? Uh, I want to hug people and shake hands. The Bi- yes. The Bible says to greet one another with a holy kiss, and when we can do that, y- y'all better watch out. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, But it's not just this season, if we're being honest, right? It's not just this season, is it? It, Waiting is kind of built into the the fabric of our regular lives. You know, uh, maybe you're here this morning, and to this question of, are you waiting? You can say, yes, I'm in a period of waiting. I'm in a season of waiting for something I don't know, 
Maybe, maybe you don't know what that is, but you're in a, a season of waiting. Maybe you're single in this place this morning, and you have hope for a relationship, but you're nervous about it, and you're in a season of waiting. Maybe you're in this place this morning, and you're a little depressed, and you're looking for, you're waiting for that morning when you wake up, and you just don't feel that way any, anymore. Maybe you're a young couple and you're waiting for a child, but it doesn't, it's not happening right now, and there's a season of waiting involved in that. You know, there's a waiting involved for a person in this room who maybe has been praying for a friend or a child or a, a sibling to meet Jesus, and that hasn't happened yet, and there's a waiting involved in that process. Waiting may be the single hardest thing we do in this life. But what can make it so frustrating is that we can turn in our Bibles to read something and we realize that God himself in all of his providence keeps telling his people, wait, wait, wait. It's enough to drive a person crazy actually, right? But what is happening with all this waiting in the scriptures? And why, why does God instruct us to learn to wait, not just practically, but with a sense of hope, to wait hopefully, which is what we're talking about today. How to wait in hope. How to wait in hope. You know, in fact, the Hebrew word that's often translated in your Bibles, wait, kavah, can also be translated hope. Hope and wait in, with this Hebrew word are interchangeable. Uh, kavah is associated with anticipating and hoping for the God of Israel to act on behalf of his people. You see, it seems that there's a kind of deeply grounded wisdom in the scriptures. And that is that waiting is not just a necessary thing that happens in our lives from time to time, but is rather a, a specific place where we are called to discover both our hope and our dependence on God. And maybe, just maybe, the waiting you are experiencing or I am experiencing is actually a tool that God wants to use in our lives. Maybe, right? You see, God wants to use our seasons of waiting to make us people of both hope and joy in the world. Have you ever thought of that? To be, make us people of both hope and joy in the world. But the question then becomes, how do we cultivate that type of hope and, and joy in the midst of our waiting? How do we live lives like that in the midst of all of the struggle and the anxiety and the angst of being in an in-between space? How do we make that happen? How do we participate in our lives with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through us in seasons of waiting? How do we grow in hope as people of hope in this time? So, biblically, I think there are a couple things we need to know in order to be people of hope and to grow in hope and to learn to wait in hope in these types of seasons in our lives. 
And the first thing I think we need to do is we need to learn to wait in hope because we know that God is at work in our waiting. The pastor and writer John Ortberg says this. He says, what God does in us while we wait is as important as what, as what it is we are waiting for. Did you ever think about that? In our teaching text for today, in verse 24 of Romans 8, we read this. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they have already seen? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. You know, God is more concerned with who you are becoming on this journey of faith than how successful you are at life. You ever thought of that? And in the midst of our current circumstances, it is quite possible that in your waiting, God is working to form you so that you will look more like Jesus. This is what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. This, there is this kind of pernicious lie in our culture that we all believe from time to time. And it's the lie that says... What I'm experiencing now is simply a precursor to something that's happening in my life in the future that's going to be better, right? So my job now, it kind of stinks, but my next job, that's going to be amazing. And so I'm going to put all of my focus and energy there. Yeah, college right now, it's horrible. But what I'm really looking forward is real life. You know, my kids are in diapers right now, but one day they're going to be out of diapers, and then everything is going to be okay. Ash and I have a friend online who have seven kids, and he posted this weekend that they are going on their 14th consecutive year of having children in diapers. And I thought to myself, somebody just punched me in the gut, right? <laughs> At least that's what it felt like. God is at work in your right now. He, yes, he's a God of the future, right? But he is at work in your right now. And the most important thing that God is doing in your life and in my life is happening right now. It's not happening later. It doesn't, it's not happening in one, five, or ten years. It's happening right now. And if we lose sight of that fact, it is possible that we will not learn and grow in the season we're in, in the way that God wants us to learn and grow. I have had numerous seasons in my life where I have been in a holding pattern. It's been a common story in my life. I've spent much, and I've spent much of that time just kind of anxiously whiling the hours away, not doing in the midst of that season what God wanted me to do. And by so doing, I missed some of what God wanted me to do and become in those times. Rather than waiting hopefully and purposely and patiently and allowing God to have his work in the midst of that waiting, I kind of ignored it and just gave in to anxiety. And I regret those moments. I regret those times. But God wants to work in your and my right now. He wants you to grow and to learn and to develop and to wake up to the reality of the most important thing that God is doing in your life which is right now. And it's what he is doing now, and it's whatever it is he is doing now that he wants you to wake up to. He wants me to wake up to. 
Hope is believing that God is working in the midst of your current season of waiting. This is what hope is. God is at work in your right now, and we just need to wake up and pay attention and participate with the Holy Spirit in our season to see what He wants to do and to see what He wants to make us into. And I promise, if we pay that type of attention in our seasons of waiting, we will come out of that season with more joy and more hope and more purpose, becoming the people that God created us to be. It's powerful, isn't it? It's a powerful reality. Now, the second thing this morning that I think makes us people of hope, teaches us to wait in hope. We wait in hope because we have hope in the return of Jesus. This is, a, this is the theological truth for us today. Christopher Ashe writes this. He says, we praise not because the present is easy, but because the future is glorious. We praise not because the future, the present is easy, but because the future is glorious. This is the idea that I think Paul was communicating to the Romans in our teaching text for today. Picking up in verse 18 of chapter 8, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Our present circumstances and difficulties are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us when Jesus returns and sets all things right. We have to get that down into our hearts and our souls. I know life can be frustrating. I know it can be difficult. I know homeschool and school online can be hard for families. I know the pain of loss and the difficulty of bills and yard work and malfunctioning disposals. I get it, right? I really do. But the promise of the scripture and is that hope for Christians is all about clinging to the reality that Jesus will return. The story of waiting in hope is all over the Christmas story. It's actually what the Christmas story is all about. Think about some of our songs. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Yonder breaks a new and glorious morning, a a, a morning that is coming towards us and gives us hope and confidence in the midst of our waiting that God will not leave us orphaned or abandoned. I was listening to one pastor who said that the hope in your waiting is directly proportional to the good thing that you're waiting for, right? The amount of hope with which you wait is directly proportional to how good you think the thing that you're waiting for actually is. And what the Apostle Paul tells us in our teaching text for today is that there is nothing that you could ever imagine that is any better than the reality that is coming towards us in Jesus. 
There is nothing, no present under the tree, no perfect job or perfect family will ever meet up to the standard of the kingdom of God coming to earth at the return of Christ. And, because, and if we grasp hold of that truth this morning, if we really allow it to get deep down in our bones, well, then we will learn to wait in hope. This is why early Christians were able to endure such suffering, persecution, and pain. Because they had a hope for a future that was coming. And as they waited for it and endured the difficulties of life, they were able to wait with hope, with a sense of anticipation, with a sense of optimism. They had this deep-seated, lasting, steadfast hope. And so this morning... I think God wants to increase our hope in the midst of whatever waiting situation we're in. I think he wants to put his finger on a couple of things in our lives. So for you this morning, I just have two questions, and maybe these questions will just clarify for you an area where God might need to work. So the first question is, what are you waiting for, right? What area in your life did, are, are you waiting, right? It's good to first identify that so that you can see where you're at. So what are you waiting for? Sometimes the waiting in our life just is registered just as kind of a low-level anxiety, right? And we're not even cognizant of it. And we just kind of operate on autopilot. But to really ask ourselves the question, what, what is this? What is happening? What am I waiting for? So that's the first question. And the second question is more important than the first. What is God wanting to accomplish in my season of waiting? What does God want to do in and through you in this season you find yourself in? Whether it's something specific or whether it's just 2020, right? Maybe he wants you to become an expert whittler. I don't know, right? You got a little time on your hands. What is it that God wants to accomplish in this season of waiting that you might be in. Maybe this morning you need to pray Psalm 37 that we heard earlier. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Maybe we need to wait on the Lord a little bit this morning. Maybe we need to set our expectation just a little bit higher. Maybe we need to come to a further awareness that in the midst of the season we find ourselves, we can wait in hope because we know God is working. I think, I think that this Christmas season, one of the primary things the Spirit wants to teach us is to learn to wait, but to wait as people of lasting, abiding buoyant hope. Are you with me? All right. Would you stand with me this morning? All right. All right. I know we had a quick service this morning, but I think, I think it's good. I think it's good. You know, uh, just in an attitude of prayer this morning, wherever you find yourself, maybe you can just ask yourself those two questions that we, we, uh, we mentioned earlier. First, what are you waiting for? And second, what is God wanting to accomplish in your waiting? Just in a moment of prayer before the Lord, let's just 
uh, invite God to speak to us about those two questions, shall we? Just for two seconds, let's be quiet before God.